Welcome, book lovers, back to our book review. We are here doing this month, You, Me, and U.S. by Bridget Bautista. I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. Joined alongside, of course, I have to have Phil. Hello. Hello, indeed. Uh, it's June. It's Pride Month. And what better way to read a book that covers all that? And and also... um. A, a person of person of color. We have uh, Bridget Bautista, who's also Filipino American. As per our discussion back in February of our "They Both Die in the End," we wanted to explore uh, more LGBTQ and um, people of ethnic backgrounds, and here we are. And uh, yeah, like immediately after that conversation, I kind of like Googled like those kind of authors, and this one popped up. And I haven't seen a lot of reviews on it, and it's really good. I I enjoyed the book, but we'll get all into it. Spoiler heavy, so if you haven't read the book, I suggest you pause us, go read the book, and then come back to us, because we're going to be talking all about it. But Phil, let's start us off. What were your thoughts of the book? Yeah, so first off, it's a very quick read. I mean, it's literally less than... Uh, it's like 150 pages. Yeah. It is 150 pages. The writing's pretty big. Like it's not tiny letters. So you can get through it very fast. Um, and yeah, I don't necessarily know the publisher. I think I think it's not like a, a, a big, big publisher. Um, you know, not that it's self-published necessarily either, but um, but I do appreciate sort of, you know, the indie books in that way. And um, I love championing them. And it's a very interesting story um, because in a lot of ways, it's very specific to the Philippines, but it's in many ways, I, I also, as I kept reading, I kept having to sort of remind myself of like, this is a story about people in a different country because it's universal, right? And it's that sort of right. old adage of the more specific you make something, the more universal it is. And, um, you know, especially in that same way, when people talk about any stories right um but in this case lgbtq you know they're like nobody wants to read that stuff it's like well if you make it specific you make it good then it becomes universal right mm -hmm. and so um that's overall what i got out of it um i think it's well done um i didn't necessarily know where it was going i was pleasantly surprised by the ending you know number of ways i thought it handled it well i would be curious um to see it a little bit expanded, but I also think the brevity of it works in its favor. So it's like a double-edged sword of like, I could have been totally fine with it being longer, but at the same time, I love that it was shorter. So I don't know. It's not a complaint. It's just like a weird, like what if scenario. Right. No, I completely agree with you because like we said, it was only like 150 pages and you wonder if that's long enough to have a full relationship, full story flushed out in that way. But I think um, the the pacing of this book is what I really enjoyed because it's quick, it's easy to follow, it's very dialogue driven, um, kind of situational driven. We can follow these two main women um, around uh, per their you know their their daily activities and stuff, and it's you don't really get lost. And I think it was short but sweet in that way, and it kind of wants to leave you like hanging, leaving you wanting more. But in the end, it's also satisfactory, too. So, like, like I agree with you. you it could be longer, but I, it was, like, long enough um, yeah. in that sense. So uh, a little bit about the author background, because um, I have never heard of this author, uh, you know, championing other female writers, um, especially for this one, Bridget Bautista. 
uh, Filipino American. She grew up with a Catholic upbringing, much like myself. Uh, but you know, she's been writing for years since she was a kid, and you know, uh, writing in diaries, all, all those fun things. But she really got her start at the uh, Anvil Publishing Spark and a Workshop, which that was like a six week course where there she penned her very first book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, called Don't Tell My Mother. And the success of that story in the LGBTQ community helped her launch her right to this book, which is her second one. Um, so that's basically kind of where she got her start. And in her real life, she's actually a uh, software engineer as well. So when she's not tied to her desk, she's writing um, stories like this. Uh, so just a little bit about her and uh, her background and how it, it ties to that. There's a lot of, like you said, um, yes, the story is based in the Philippines. I am Filipino, but I, I'm basically American through and through. And I have never, other than being born there, I've never been there. Um, so I don't know the countries as well. I don't know the metaphors that they drop in the story. Um, you know, the cultural references kind of got lost on me a little bit. I had to Google some um, to make content uh context of the story but overall i could still understand the family dynamics the friendship dynamics that like you said are universal um so let's start with the, these two characters i mean you're, you're basically following uh liza de mendel and joe suarez who best friends of course is it's that that trope of you know Friends falling in love with each other, but later after the fact, but it's so much more than that. Uh, so let's start off with Joe. What were your thoughts of Joe? Yeah, uh, you know, their their dichotomy was very evident, right? I mean, they're polar opposites, and that's by design. You know, she's the carefree, live by the moment, um, not be judgmental of herself. You know, she is a, a sex worker. Um, and in many ways, I like, you know, there's that idea that she's not been given many choices in life. And for her, she made like, even however shitty a decision may be, as long as it's her decision, then, um, she's okay with it, you know? And so I think, uh, that's an interesting sort of perspective to take. And, um, yeah, I mean, polar polar opposites attract that guess because then you have Liza, you know, being the exact opposite. And um, it was great. Like we, it, it was very much a show don't tell in the early stages of like who they were as people. Um, and through that, through their actions, we were essentially shown their viewpoint in life, you know, her dealing with the various ads that came along, you know, who she chose, who she didn't, um, how she thought about it, how she didn't. And, uh, how they both essentially dealt with adversity in the early part of their lives and, you know, how that set them up for this moment in particular. So, yeah, you know, um, I think very well fleshed out for sure. Right. I completely agree. And, you know, learning more about Liza and Joe and the way that they live their lives, both differently, but both kind of with the same passion. I mean, if you think about it, Liza's ambitions was to be successful with wealthy family or like a more wealthy life than and opportunities that were given to her in her hometown, you know, in the Philippines. Uh, she had this ambition of marrying rich, moving to America, having a better, more affluent life. And that that was her goal. So like 
And in that sense, that was her way of success. And then compared to Joe, she she was kind of living her life day by day and taking, you know, ads, prostitution, um, just her her life decisions just to more survival rather than and, and money just to keep going. Um, and anything that kept her out of her hometown because she grew up with an abusive father, abusive, abusive alcoholic father, and she didn't want to go back to that. So she would do anything to basically just keep her life afloat in that way in survival. So the, these two different women have their different approaches of how to just survive. And, yeah, um, that, I mean, that is, that is the whole thing. Because, you know, I mean, Joe's pushing away from her family. Liza is not pushing away from her family, but she has to be away from her family in order to, you know, survive not only for herself, but for all of them. And so, you know, it's that classic situation for Liza where it's like, I was so busy trying to please everybody else. I didn't ask, stop and ask myself what would make me happy. And certainly I don't think it's any coincidence that the the book is essentially called You Me, the U.S., which, mm-hmm. of course, you can read as You Me, Us. Right. You know, so. And, and it shows that the U.S., that background, even though we never really went to the U.S. in this story, it is such a big, pivotal character. Um, it's like the third character in the book um, that drives Liza. Um, and her motivation for why she just does the things that she does. Um, and, and I think it's like the ever longing threat of putting space between these two women. Cause we, we see how the relationship starts where Liza is the one who gets Joe out of being arrested and, um, because of prostitution and all that. So like, it starts off not quite on a mute cue, but like a way that they're already helping each other out. And then, um, you know, Liza's always there, or sorry, Joe's always there watching Liza go through men after men after men, um, trying to find that that reason to finally go over to America. Um, so you, you see the ups and downs of the relationships and all the all the things that they endure with each other and how that changes over the years. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and there's no judgment there, right? Like they observe you know, even Joe, like she sees just the pattern and one can call it perhaps a destructive pattern, but, you know, Liza's trying to reach a goal. And even if she has to go through all these like crappy men, you know, uh, who are referred to by numbers, number 14 and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, It's like, that's irrelevant, you know, Um, as long as she gets to the end goal and that doesn't matter. And, you know, certainly other people in Joe's place would have, um, pushed away from that. It's like, how many times are you going to go through this? I don't care to deal with it. But Joe never essentially threw that back in her face. She tried to help Liza realize certain things, but she never like weaponized it. Yeah. And I think that's also the, um, the importance of all the side characters too. So just besides um, Liza and Joe, I, I felt like, um, the side characters really helped these two women actually push each other closer to each other than they would have themselves. I mean, you had uh, um, Joe and her her mistress, um, which was a you know rich regular client uh, of hers. But the the importance of the mistress like really helped Joe realize her feelings for Liza. Um, 
And so was, what were your thoughts of the mistress and or basically any of these uh, extra side characters that like really helped these two women along? Yeah, the mistress obviously was was very integral because it's someone who's a little bit older, right? You know, so they have some perspective on life. Plus, it represents the the safe choice that would be Liza's life, right? Um, so mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that Liza herself does not get to witness it. But, you know, um, Joe gets to be that surrogate. And much like Liza, who's never afforded the ability to, you know, ask herself, well, what would make me happy? Quite literally, you know, it's thanks to the mistress that Liza realizes, like, the only way I essentially can have an orgasm is think about Liza, you know? Mm-hmm. So, which is, I like, I mean, in that idea, that realm of, like, sex work, um, you know, she's essentially performing a job, and and yet, like, the only thing that will truly make her happy is Liza, right? Liza. And so, so um it's very nuanced in that way and 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 the needle is threaded very well, but not in a forceful way, you know, because there's certainly books that you can read where it's like, oh, this is just so heavy-handed. Whereas this feels organic to the story, to the characters, and all of that while going towards um, you know, something beautiful. Right. And also the bachelor ad that helped Joe realize um for the first time her her feelings towards Liza. Um so I, I like the the support that these women got from external sources that, quite honestly, I would not have expected. And I think they helped in like a really positive way and helped them both r- open their eyes a little bit like, oh, this this person has been in front of me this entire time. But it, like no one has ever questioned or challenged me about what I really or what I really feel for them what they actually mean to me uh in my life and I really like that I was not expecting that from like I wouldn't say small characters but pivotal characters for sure yeah no 100% and and all of them you know had, had their own version of it and even um like Christopher obviously was the big catalyst for Liza um and the few interactions that we had with uh with christopher and and joe you know um i think set up a lot of things in general um and then you know just the way you know liza i mean she was pretty much on her honeymoon before getting married right like that's what it was essentially um and you know joe was left in the dust during that time yeah and i think all right so so kind of like backing up a little bit even before that is that when these two finally kind of realize their feelings for each other, but they're still skirting around and beating around the bush about it and not being direct. And, you know, they're that fateful night when they were at the carnival fair, something that you have to have that, that moment where you force your characters together in a very, could be awkward situation, but you know, you have to have that moment where it forces the characters to like, okay, this is the action, the turning point of the story where they finally kiss and then they realize, oh, their fa- their friendship dynamic completely changes. And this is where the book, I feel, takes a turn. It does. What did you very... think of this moment? Um, yeah, I mean, as as a, as a reader, you're like, rah, rah, rah. You know, you guys have 
because we, you know, essentially the novel pivots between the two of them right back and forth and we get their perspectives on what's going on. So us as, as the reader, of course, it's like, well, no, duh, you guys love each other. Go. Um, But of course them as two individuals, they don't have that benefit of knowing what's in the other person's mind. Um, And it certainly conflicts, you know, for Joe, She's not the type to say, like, I love you or, you know, get tied down. And obviously for Liza, this is very much not part of the plan. You know, the plan is to marry Christopher, go to the U.S. and all that jazz. So, yeah, it, it's it's a very much um, unraveling of the worlds. But I think, you know, one of the things that I appreciated about this, because um, it could have gone gotten into the melodramatic or, you know, the sappy territory. I thought, you know, I love stories whether you know tv shows movies books that handle the nuances of such things and there was a point at which i thought later on i was like oh wow we're gonna we might get a sad ending here like liza might go to the u.s and you know this is more like a sad story about unrealized unrequited love of like you know she went there but at least she's like happy um and joe if nothing else is gonna go find herself like, I thought that's where this was headed. Um, and then to find out that it wasn't. And I'm glad that it didn't just take the, you know, initiative when they meet that Joe still ultimately went on, you know, call it her spiritual journey mm-hmm. um, before rekindling a love with Liza and that it wasn't like all rainbows and all that stuff like a movie would do, you know? Right. And I I liked that there it made us question like oh this might really not happen because we already started the story off with Annie another side character that was friends with Liza um and they both th- this basically were the the um the ambition started is that they both had the same dream of going to America making a better life for themselves then Annie uh got married had that um first you know she like she was successful in that way but she left liza and it left liza heartbroken in that way and so like we already started off as readers like oh we know that happened to liza is liza the kind of person to also do that to joe and like it makes you question like oh crap this <laughs> you know it, it's already happened once who's to say it can't happen again um and then i i like that the the relationship took some time it wasn't immediate like yeah their feelings when they finally realized it and talked to each other about it um hit you know because you know feelings are like that emotions are like that sometimes it just hits you all at once and it's like now you have to do something about it and they kind of handled it with avoidance and i didn't like that but uh, i mean that's what a lot of relationships do though because people don't know how to handle their feelings immediately in the correct way and the fact that it took them a long time to finally get back to each other. They had to separate them sa- themselves, find themselves to get back to um, each other. And I like that because that felt realistic. It wasn't immediate. It was earned. Yeah. And not that it's, you know, avoidance is the healthiest thing. But I'm glad, like you pointed out, there was that separation of time. So if nothing else, it gave him an opportunity to really reflect on this decision. So whether or not it was the best way to go about it, at least they had that space to do so. Um, and, and it led him back to this. And 
Um, Eliza certainly like, you know, she was bold and made the decision. And then, you know, she told her family. I thought that was a very um, interesting part of it, right? Because certainly, yeah, you got, let's say, a half of the family not very happy about this at all. And then, you know, on the flip side, it's like, no, I'm I'm proud of you, that, that moment of it all. So, and you know what she's like well what what about you know what about what about them like that are unhappy and she, it was basically like well f them they'll they'll turn around or they won't but f them like you know you'd be happy right. and i thought that was uh very good yeah yeah i lo- i love that because i mean the same thing with annie she left found found wealth married up and like essentially but then we saw her come back later in the story we saw that it was, uh, he ended up being an abusive husband. She broke up with him and, and left him. And like, she, she's back to square one. So like, yeah, the idea of a successful life doesn't always, it doesn't always look good or like, um, it doesn't always turn out the way that you think it should. And, and I think seeing Annie come back in a worse state than she was, um, kind of open Liza's eyes like oh do I really want this but now that I'm also doing this for my family that added pressure of she's supporting her her entire family her brothers her father mother all all of them like that really weighed on on Liza and 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 I think her finally coming to the realization like oh but I'm not going to be happy either um no. if I do this for everybody else I'm not going to be happy and I think that also comes with age like what do we do for the sake of success and what do we do for the success of just having a healthy life? Yeah. So I like it's that. Inter- it's interesting how we never got to learn more about Christopher, right? Like certainly him coming there to see Liza and then doing everything. Like we got it from the perspective of Joe, but never Liza. And that's certainly an interesting choice. Um, because like as a reader it's like i don't really have too much information to know you know is christopher a good guy or a bad guy certainly my own personal view is like regardless of love i'm like i feel like before you marry someone like date them for at least three years like that's my viewpoint because then you'll see them in all the various seasons the you know various ups and downs and you can have a better assessment of like is this someone you want to essentially spend the rest of your life with and um yeah so if anything like that to me is the part of the story just in general um regardless of how much like liza herself right it's not like she knows this guy they just talk and have these video chats and however sort of engaging it might be it's like you don't know that person right um so yeah you know um it's that let's just say like that would never be me you know like this is not how i would want to like have the be the basis of a relationship now i'm not saying for the people that that do and make it successful great have at it but it's just not my mo and so i'm right there with liza like maybe i want out of this right and that's the thing because like i think you and me we both we both have been in relationships where like no uh sometimes you just gotta really know the person before you actually make any further steps in your life and and I think, but there are so many women, and I think this is where the universal theme comes along, no matter if you're in the Philippines or in America or wherever in the world you are, is that 
you to the next level. We see a lot of desperate people, men and women, just to latch onto someone for the false promise of something better. Um, yeah. yeah, and people don't look farther than further than that. Yeah, and some of it, like you know, I can't necessarily fault. Like I think there's you have to have a sense of optimism towards the future, otherwise, like you're just gonna be crippled and miserable for the rest of your life, you know, and just living in fear. Um, and I, you know, who am I to like prescribe any sort of balance of like what the, the, cause I don't know the balance, you know, what is the right sort of, you know, watch out for this, but not this sort of a measurement, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, everyone has to, and, and that's the whole thing. Everyone just has to kind of go on their journey. Like this is a very much a romance story, but it's also just, kind of figuring yourself out first story, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's what makes it uh, different for me. And that's why I appreciate it because it's not just a like, Oh, we realize we love each other. No, it's like, I need to know who the hell I was before I loved anybody, you know? And I think that's rarely sort of told in love stories. Right. And I've said it before on other shows or, and maybe even to you, it's just like, I think, some of the best relationships works out when you know yourself better than you know your other person, your other significant other. It's like once you're able, I believe it's actually Keanu Reeves. Um, it's like once you're able to take care of yourself, then you can successfully take care of someone else and have or like allow yourself to um, take care of someone else too. So because like if you don't have a successful, healthy life, you don't know who you are. How can you also translate that to someone else? Um, when you include everybody else in your life um yeah, yeah it's, it's finding yourself first yeah because like you know because in that sense you're coming from a place of being able to give as opposed to if you don't know yourself then you're you're going into it consciously or not most times unconsciously uh, from a place of taking you know mm-hmm. and again it's not that you want to it's just that's you know you need something in your life and so you're looking for the external to try to fill that within you first so yeah yeah. um i kind of want to talk about the the reoccurring theme of manga carding um i had again i had to look it up i'm very very american so this might be a cultural filipino thing but uh what i took out of it is it's basically a a story of there is a man, like a fisherman, who's who's waiting patiently for a big catch of the day. And then he gets a snag and then um, it ends up being nothing and it causes a big di- disappointment. So basically, like the takeaway is, is that the, the false hope of something good. And we saw that a lot in this book. It, and it recurred a few times in a few different ways. So what, what were your thoughts of this, like false promises from people or from situations? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's just, right, the risk of life, you know, we all hope for something better. And um, sometimes if it's too good to be true type of thing, you know, um, <laughs> we try to delude ourselves towards going for it um, when we shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, like a moth to a flame. And then, you know, I, I think it's just that because the the unsexy truth of it all is that the things in life worth pursuing are always going to be work, right? Friendship is work. A romantic relationship is work. Uh, finding any sort of success. Like, I mean, how many like videos on all social media platforms are there of like, 
the quick hack to make a million dollars. It's like, you know what? It doesn't really exist, right. <laughs> you know? And so I think, yeah, that's a very central message. And, um, you know, sometimes, yes, are there outliers of like people just happen to get lucky in, you know, any of these examples that I'm mentioning? Sure. I'm not against that, but those are very much outliers, you know? And I wouldn't necessarily hang my hat on like, all right, like you can't necessarily replicate that result by just being like, well, I'm going to just have luck. Right. Okay. How do you, how do you do that? <laughs> Get some four leaf clovers. Like, I, I don't know what you do. So. Right. Cause half of life is showing up and actually putting in the work into something. And, and then along with just timing so that, and I feel like timing is also a big proponent in this story. We, we see the timing is just not working well with both of these women. Like Joe's finally realizing her feelings for Liza, but Liza's like, Hey, I'm getting married. And then Liza calling off the marriage and now Joe's leaving um, to go explore the world and herself. So, um, but also once we finally get that realization and Joe was like, I'm leaving, but I liked how Liza didn't pressure her to stay. Um, and same thing with Joe, that Joe didn't pressure Liza to stay in the in the Philippines when she was about to move as well. So the fact that they didn't pressure each other, let them have that time to finally find their way back to each other. I enjoyed yeah. that. I mean, I think that they, they ultimately accepted their the consequences of their action and knew that like just because you want something doesn't mean that you automatically get to have it right and mm -hmm. it goes to show i mean you know i think certainly in the artist world people think like that there's okay with the conditions are right i'll write a book or this and that right and you know going to bridget as a writer in general right so she has an act she has a completely separate job of being a storyteller and stuff like that. And someone can look, well, you know, I want to be in a place where all I can do is write. And it's like, in life, you will never have just a series of green lights to be able to drive down, right? Some are going to be orange, some are going to be red, some are going to be green, maybe a lot of them are green, and you can coast a little But like, that's just life, the timing is never going to be perfect. And so I appreciate that that resonates in it, you know, in the same way, you know, the author Bridget, it's like, okay, I like storytelling. I have to feed myself still, right? So mm -hmm. I'm going to maintain my regular job and write on the side, you know? And that's just, you know, a fact of life for <laughs> how many authors throughout all of history, right? You know, and eventually if they get success enough and, and notoriety, then yeah, that could become their full-time job. But even, even uh, you know, I look at Hemingway. I mean, he wrote for newspapers still, you know what I mean? Like, right. so it's just, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's the ideal conditions don't exist. What's that? Yeah, Hemingway and Gellhorn. If like if you know the story between the that that relationship that that marriage, um, I think I believe they were married. Um, you know, it's the two journalists that um, you know that really inspired each other during the war, um, wartime, and that really inspired you know for whom the bell tolls and called to arms because that relationship was like so up and down. Um, and you, you can see how it reflected in Hemingway's work. But yeah, again, with timings, like things won't get done unless you do it now. That doesn't mean that if you write something or work on a project now, it'll never get done. You just have to do it. If you can't release it now, that doesn't mean it'll never get released. It's just timing in life. Uh, it, but you have to put the work into it. And I, I like that because 
you know, no timing is perfect. So long as you just do it. Really. Yeah. And, and that's what I appreciate. And, you know, it's one of those things like that's what makes it the ending beautiful and well-earned. It's uh, it, because it wasn't just convenience or this gut feeling. It's like, you know what? Time has passed and this still makes sense. So let's right. go for it. You know? Right. Like so much time has passed and, but I still want you and I'm still thinking of you at the end of the day. So now is the time to, and, and I liked how Joe's ambition, cause when she first left her hometown, she had the ambitions to be a singer. And that, I mean, like, and that ultimately led her to um, meet Liza because Liza was there watching her sing. Um, and then the, uh, the audition for some singing competition, AKA their version of American Idol, um, brought her back to the same town uh, as Liza. So it, it gives kind of like the second chance in life. They're like, okay, now we're, we're in the same place doing the same thing. We have a, another chance to do what we've really wanted. And now you're here. So like, now it's right. And, yeah. and I see, you, you see that a lot when people get second chances to now do something. Yeah. And I think um, it's very poetic in that way. And, um, you know, you, you can say the universe is like pushing them towards each other, giving them an opportunity. But I also think they recognize that opportunity, right? Like, yeah. I think, you know, in life, we could notice signs for towards the negative or the positive, right? Um, and certainly even like Liza, right? Um, Joe admits that she essentially like slept with some another person, right? Van, um, from like their favorite girl band. Mm -hmm. And rather than throw it in Joe's face of like, wait, I love you and like whatever and like you're just sleeping with other people like what is this like she was like no it's essentially all good you know and as long as you return to me like it's yeah it's one of the more healthy relationships i've ever seen in a story <laughs> yeah so. and it's, and i think it's like joe still had to sounds terrible joe still had to sleep around with people with all the quote-unquote wrong people for her to realize no she still loves liza like no matter how many people she sees liza is still the one that's on her mind at the end of the day and like Absolutely. it finally took joe to that point to realize no you you are the one because i can sleep with all the the famous celebrity people but it won't matter because none of them are you um and i love yeah. that yeah i mean because especially it's not just about the celebrity aspect like this was her favorite girl band her, her favorite person like an idol right like this is this is like that teenage crush if you will you know you put up the posters mm -hmm. and whatever and it's like i mean if given the opportunity who wouldn't want to sleep with like their you know crush childhood or otherwise and it's like that wasn't enough because it's not liza and right. so yeah that's that's the crazy part and it's it's not like the sex wasn't good i imagine you know what i mean like it's just crazy right. that like yeah, it, all, all it was, it just wasn't Liza. So Yeah, it's not the person that means the most to her. Yeah. And, and she had to get to that point. And talk about, like, I mean, that's a scenario of, like, in many people's mind, like, the perfect ideal scenario of, like, wait, I get to sleep with a crush? Hell yeah, mm -hmm. let's do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, again, with, you know, the opportunities that were afforded to them because of their life choices. Uh yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this story. It, it's a quick, easy um, read, um, very relatable 
it in those universal senses of like the those budding feelings that you feel and like how do you deal with them um and you know a lot of people can relate to that so any last thoughts of of this yeah i overall i i like i said i'm curious to know what it would have been like as a more detailed novel but um but again that's not a knock on it it's just purely a curiosity factor um overall you know it gives us enough detail um enough specificity um you know it zooms out when it needs to it zooms in um on on very specific moments so and i thought the pacing was well done you know just certain chapters ending on like huge cliffhangers and it's like okay i guess i have to read more (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know um so yeah i think i think uh there's a lot to love here um you know and i'm excited to see more work in general and i hope audiences readers uh discover you know the work as time goes by absolutely and you know uh, i like to spotlight uh, authors or just artists in general that don't have you know big spotlights on them so like a little stories like this as and it was you know this is great this is like one of those hidden gems you know and i feel like a lot of people are going to miss this um because it is such a small short story but that doesn't mean it's great and i i think people giving the opportunity to read this book it's like allows us to talk to talk about it and tell other people like hey you should look out for this book too especially during june especially just lgbtq and ethnic authors out there needs to be highlighted more need to be praised and celebrated more yeah and and i think if we can do it within one arm all for it yeah i talk about this often you know um the idea that like oh you know something doesn't make money or it's not popular it's not hitting and it's like there's an audience for all sorts of art right and to me it just comes down to marketing laziness and i'm not knocking this i'm, I'm knocking like pu- you know major publishers film studios you know music record labels all that because it's like you just don't you just want to put in your cookie cutter marketing thing and if it doesn't hit then it, then it's like oh well the work wasn't no it's like you didn't you didn't get it to the right audience, right. you know, it's no different than like telemarketers calling me. And I'm like, yo, I will never be a customer of yours. Like, okay, can we call you next week? And it's like, no, I'm literally telling you, I will never be a cut. Co- you are wasting your time trying to convince me of anything because I will not be that. Spend the time to try to find the right customer because it's never going to be me. So anyway, hopefully that, uh, that shines a light on some of this stuff a little bit from my, at least my perspective. Yeah, no, I I totally get it. Um, so what, what we've been doing with all of our shows as of late, uh, we're discussing our future books, um, or books that we're reading on the side currently or most recently. Um, with our yeah, our next book for the month of July is Imagining Argentina by Lawrence Thornton. Phil, this is your choice. Sure, uh, I haven't well, read it yet. <laughs> I haven't read it yet either. You know, it's it's relatively short, roughly, you know, 215 pages, give or take. Um, yeah, I like the cover. Hopefully. Yeah, the co- I mean, honestly, like, you know, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. But I was at a I was at a local bookstore and like I just saw this and I was like, huh, OK, let's uh, let's check it out. And, uh, you know, the title Imagining Argentina. Um, I want to imagine Argentina. Right. Like, I, I think 
I want to travel mentally. Um, and so, you know, it literally was just about those factors. And uh, then I read sort of the back. So it's set in the uh, 1970s when thousands of Argentinians disappeared. Um, you know, I haven't like fully researched it of how historically accurate this is going to end up being. Um, I think I'll, you know, read the book as is and then, um, you know, compare and contrast afterwards. But yeah, I think, you know, I don't know how good it is, but um, but I think there's a lot of promise. Um, and so I'm excited for it. It was written yeah. in the 19, 1986 was when it was written. So, OK, there you go. I don't know any Argentinas. Argentinian stories other than Evita. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm excited to introduce another story of that. And then my choice for the next month of August is Barbara King Solver's Prodigal Summer. I uh, haven't read this one either, but I'm excited. His story about three different characters and the backdrops of the Appalachian Mountains. Somehow they're all connected and life throws them together in that way. And I, you know, I love connecting stories when everybody's uh, tied to each other in some way. So I'm excited to read that. Um, are there any fun, interesting books you've read recently or on the side or currently? So, um, so Stephen Pressfield is someone who I love, you know, he's written like the war of art and things like that, but I've never read his fiction work. So, um, I went uh -huh. and got <laughs> the legend of Bagger Vance, the, the infamous legend of, um, legend of Bagger Vance. And, uh, you know, that's also a movie starring Will Smith, Matt Damon, Charlize Theron, um, directed by Robert Redford, where very well mm -hmm. received. Um, I haven't seen it. Um, you know, I'm I, I have the Blu-ray, but I'm I'm waiting to like fully get through the book. Um, before that, I read um I've been rereading A Course in Miracles, um, which is fun. Nice. Uh it's a very like self-help spiritual book. Uh it's literally a course about how to conjure miracles, if you will. Um, Living Untethered awesome. by Michael Singer. Um, that's been fun. And then I just, you know what? I want to plug my book. There you, you go. Know? I haven't been reading my own book, but that's because I spent so many years writing it that I already know the story. Um, but it is available. Um, you can purchase it. It's called Elan Elan. Um, the link is in the description. You know, talk about a short read. I mean, it's it's literally about 200 pages. I think it's well, you know. Um I, I enjoy the story. Uh, I think it's well-written. Um, I had an amazing editor along with it for both like grammar and story, Emily Kremphold, shout out to her. So, um, you know, without her, I would not be able to say that the writing is that good, but with her, I can confidently say like, it's great. So. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I mean, and that's great for you. I mean, you are an author yourself. So uh yeah, that's it's awesome. Of course, plug your own work. I currently have um, the Once and Future Witches. I haven't started it yet, but I like just rented it. Um, quite honestly, I just moved my entire life, so I haven't read a lot of stories of the last month. But uh, now I can start rereading, um, getting back into books. Not that I ever left, but you know, uh, life kind of. Um, takes a pause sometimes so uh yeah but the ones in future which is uh I, i'm currently reading gonna start reading that one i'm excited fun times and you just recently i know this is not a book but you do talk about books in your podcast i do oh <laughs> right um yeah thanks for that uh yeah i just dropped um my friends and favorites podcast talk about timing uh, we you know i produced that 
a while ago now and you know life puts pauses on things and i finally released it and you phil are my first guest and we talked about great books and that and some of your favorite things uh in life in writing and poetry so go check that out friends and favorites available on itunes with myself it's called friends and favorites with marissa serafini go type it up and you'll find it right there and you will see phil's uh, amazing face and voice and we talk about all of our favorite things and we reminisce about a lot of our our memories in the 20s so right so i'll link to that as well for ease as well um but yeah very exciting yeah so thank you everyone for joining us for june pride month uh you me you us i really really did enjoy this book i read it twice um and i feel like a lot more people should uh, be more aware of it go read it Go pass it all along to anybody who loves just good romance, good friendship stories, good family dynamics, universal things. It has it all. So I really enjoyed it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you for our next book. Bye.